0: Welcome, everybody, to episode four of the Praetor's Council podcast. My name, as always, is Nick at nicknex 96 or the Praetor of Jinkataxis. So, what are we going to talk about this week? Well, two days after Halloween, hopefully everyone had a good holiday, got all their candy, got all their magic cards, if that's what they were giving out, and, uh, you know, had a good time and we are going to talk about the massive amount of tournament results from the past weekend, starting with the SEG Standard Classic at Charlotte. And the reason that I mainly want to talk about this one and start off with it is because it is one, uh, the winner was Ali Antrazi, playing his five-color Lich's Mastery control deck in standard and this deck is a absolute house this thing is ridiculous so if you don't know lich's mastery it is a three and three black enchantment that is hex proof and it says you cannot lose the game it says whenever you gain life you draw that many cards whenever you lose life For each one life you've lost, you exile a permanent you control or a card from your hand or graveyard. When Lich's Mastery leaves the game, you lose the battlefield. Or leaves the battlefield, you lose the game. So, I haven't actually seen any gameplay of this deck. I know it's super hard to play. But there are a few key points about the deck that I do know. I do know that there is almost no way in the main deck to actually kill your opponent. Um, There is some slight chance that you could possibly pump enough mana into an expansion explosion and kill them that way, but I really don't think that you uh, would be able to pull that off. Instead, the way that you actually win the game is you form kind of a lock with Lich's Mastery and a pseudo uh, infinite turn combo that pieces together uh, chance for glory, which is the one and red white Boros instant that says creatures you control gain indestructible, take an extra turn after this one, and at the beginning of that turn's end step, you lose the game. So obviously if you chance for glory when you have Lich's Mastery out, uh, you won't lose the game because of Lich's Mastery. Now, how do you go infinite with Chance for Glory? Well, it works by chaining together um, Chance for Glory and the Mirari Conjecture. And the Mirari Conjecture, on its. Uh, if you don't know, the Mirari Conjecture is a enchantment saga from Dominaria, so the new card type saga. Uh, it's four and a blue. You play it, and then when it enters, and then after your draw step um, it moves phases so on the first and the second they're called chapters of the saga you return an instant uh, card from your graveyard to your hand or On the first one it's an instant on the second one it's a sorcery and then uh, on its third one until the end of turn whenever you cast an instant or sorcery you copy it and you use that to get back your chance for glory the first time and it doesn't really go fully infinite, but you can loop it for a couple of turns um, because you have two Chance for Glories and three Mirari Conjectures. So it's pretty sweet. But the way that you end up winning the game is um, by utilizing Mastermind's Acquisition so two black black and it's choose one you can search your library it's a sorcery you can search your library for a card and put it into your hand and then you shuffle your library so it's good at finding you like maybe a lich's mastery when you need it or something like that but the main mode you're using it for is where you choose a card you own from outside of the game and put it into your hand so what this lets you do is it lets you tutor up a card from your sideboard and put it into your hand and this is how you win the game because your sideboard is full of all cards that you would need to win the game your sideboard has a bane fire a immortal sun three carnage tyrants lyra dawn bringer and some other good stuff as well as a nature spiral to actually complete the loop with chance for glory and mirai's conjecture and nature spiral is one in a green sorcery return target permanent from your graveyard to your hand so you can loop that by uh, On the first chapter of the Mirari's Conjecture, you return the Chance for Glory. On the second chapter, you return the Nature Spiral. You can then cast the Chance for Glory, and then with the copy, you can cast the Nature Spiral and get both the Mirari's Conjecture and the Chance for Glory back to your hand. And then you kind of loop this process over and over. But this is a crazy deck, and I know that Ali's been working on it for quite a while, and it's really sweet to see him pull it off in the Classic, and, uh, it's just, man, I don't even know how to play against that deck, and I don't even know how to play it. (laughs) Um, the other interesting, um, result specifically is the SEG Modern Open, also in Charlotte, which the top eight featured, um, multiple Amulet Titan and or Titan Shift variants of decks. So, The main goal of um, Amulet Titan and Titan Shift are a little bit different, but for Titan Shift, you are trying to win with the card Scape Shift and Valakut the Molten Pinnacle. So Scape Shift is two green and a green for a sorcery where you can sacrifice any number of lands. You search your library for that many lands and you put them onto the battlefield tapped. So the way that you win is you get up to... I believe it's seven lands. If your opponent is at um, eighteen, you can kill them with seven, or it might be six. I'm actually uh, not great at Valica and the molten Pinnacle math. Um, so if someone hears this and actually cares to correct me, please correct me. Um, I usually just know that if I'm at eighteen and someone resolves a valica or a uh, Escape Shift, I die. So <laughs> that's basically all I've ever paid attention to. But the other way that you win is with the card Valakut and the, Mol- the Molten Pinnacle. And it's a uh, land that taps for red. It enters the battlefield tapped. And it says, whenever a mountain enters the battlefield under your control, if you control at least five other mountains, you may have Valakut, the Molten Pinnacle, deal three damage to target creature or player. So it's a little confusing at how it works because you wouldn't think it works this way. But when you resolve a Shift. What most people do is they sack all their lands and they usually get... Um, you have to do it at seven. I Sorry. You have to do it at seven. They usually get two valicuts and five mountains. And um, these can be basic or non-basic mountains. They just have to actually be a mountain. The valicut sees all the mountains enter and gets triggers off of all of them. And then you just ping your opponent to death. Um, you can also... Ramp into Primeval Titan, which is four and double green for a 6 6 with trample. And when it enters the battlefield or attacks, you can grab two lands from your deck and put them onto the battlefield tapped. So if you don't have the escape shift, you can do this, and then you can just tutor up mountains. And the whole rest of the deck is a little bit of a removal and a lot of ways to get lands out of your deck. And uh, there's a f- few different builds of this, um, this one was actually piloted by Rebecca, uh, Oldman, I believe is how her last name is said, um, if Rebecca or any of her fans hear this, I apologize if I butcher your last name, um, I did catch some of her rounds, it was pretty sweet, uh, but the finals was actually a Amulet Titan mirror, but it was a pretty different Amulet Titan mirror, so Amulet Titan, uh, also another deck that revolves around Primeval Titan, and, ramping, and the use of lands. And uh, the main way that this deck does the craziness that it does is the card Amulet of Vigor, which is a one mana artifact. This is when a permanent enters the battlefield tapped under your control, you untap it. So you, you look at that and you go, oh, you know, that's pretty cool. But the deck plays... A ton of bounce lands. So it plays a bunch of two mana lands that when they enter the battlefield they come in tapped and you have to return a land to your hand. Uh, these types of lands are often nicknamed Karoo lands based on the land Karoo which has the same ability. So it plays things like Boros Garrison which is obviously the Boros colors so red white, Golgari the green black one, Simic Growth Chamber, and so on and so on. So when the land enters the battlefield uh, in response to the bounce of land, you uh, actually can untap it with the amulet if you stack the triggers, tap it for mana, and you can actually even just bounce that land back to your hand. And then it plays things that lets them, um, like Azusa Lost the Seeking, and um, this build actually was playing Lotus Bloom. So it plays a lot of ways to either, um, like Azusa, which gives you extra land drops, or Lotus Bloom gives you extra mana. But the one thing that I wanted to point out, the difference between these two decks, is the winner, Will uh, Pulliam, is playing a pretty stock, pretty basic version of Amulet Titan. It's either looking to win by attacking you with Primeval Titans and using some lands like Sunholm Fortress of the Legion to give it Double Strike and Slayer Stronghold to give it plus two, plus oh, and Vigilance and, you know, kind of one-shot its opponent, or get a bunch of mana pump it into a walking ballista and aim all the uh, counters at the opponent's face now austin robbins who finished second is playing a card that is way crazier to win with and he's playing a card called hive mind which is a five and a blue enchantment that says when a player casts a instant or sorcery spell each other player copies that spell each of those players may choose new targets for his or her copy So the way that you win with Hivemind is you cast the Hivemind and then as the player who cast the Hivemind, you either cast a Pact of Negation or a Summoner's Pact. So there's a Pact for each color and they're all zero mana instants that have a requirement of paying a certain amount of mana on your upkeep or else you lose. So the easiest way to win is you cast a Hivemind, you cast a Summoner's Pact, which searches your library for a green creature but it says at the beginning of your next upkeep, pay two and double green. If you don't, you lose the game. So the Amulet Titan player will cast this with a hive mine on the battlefield. The opponent casts it due to hive mine. and if they don't have two and double green, they lose on their upkeep. Also, Pact of Negation, um, they can, it's a counterspell that says it has the same text except uh, you have to pay three and double blue or else you lose the game that one's a little harder to win with once hive mind's on the battlefield and uh it's crazy i've never actually seen anybody play um a deck that actually has hive mind in it i know that this deck can play hive mind and it has in the past but i've actually never witnessed a version of until now until this deck uh using hive mind to win other than that there was two standard grand Prix. there was grand prix new jersey uh, which was won by Ili Kassis on Jeskai Control. And it's called Jeskai Control, but there, he does have a little bit of a... Um, and it's not necessarily a combo aspect, but there is definitely a way that he's um, planning on winning. And uh, it has your typical control elements, your Forte fairy Hero of Dominaria's, which I'm sure all of you by now know what this card does. Um, If you don't, here's a quick recap. It's really good. No, it's a three and a blue-white for a Planeswalker. Plus one, you draw a card, and you can untap two lands at the end step. Negative three, you can put target non-land permanent into its owner's library, third from the top. And negative eight, you get a emblem. Whenever you draw a card, exile target permanent, its owner's control. It's it's a house. But the main way that I believe... um, people playing this version of Jeskai are trying to win, is with the card Azur's Gateway. So Azur's Gateway is a two-mana legendary artifact that uh, says one and you tap it and you draw a card and you exile a card from your hand. Then it says if cards with five or more different converted mana costs are exiled this way, you gain five life, you untap Azur's Gateway and you flip it and it flips into Sanctum of the Sun, which adds X mana of any one color where X is your life total. So, at minimum, if you flip this at, say, the least possible time that you could flip it, so at one one life, you gain five life, you untap it, and now it taps for, uh, you flip it, and it taps for six mana. So, you usually flip that at a high enough life total to cast a really, really big Bane Fire, which is X and one for Sorcery. It deals X damage to target player, so however much mana you pay for X is how much damage it's going to deal. But you can win because it says if X is 5 or more, the spell can't be countered and the damage can't be prevented. So if you're playing as another control deck, they can't stop it. If someone has a prevent damage spell, they can't stop it. And then it has your typical um, control stuff. It has some removal, some counter spells, some wraths. And then some cool cards like um, Starve Extinction, which is 5 and double red, and it destroys a land and then deals 20 damage to each creature and each Planeswalker. Um, That card started seeing a lot of play. Uh, It's pretty easy to cast if you can flip an Azure's Gateway pretty fast, and um, there's enough different converted mana costs in this deck where you can do it pretty easy. Uh, The main thing about this is that even though Golgari had huge showings in, um, I believe, both New Jersey and Grand Prix uh, Lule that it didn't perform as well as everybody thought it was going to do in the actual Day 2s. There's a lot more top-performing decks of Golgari in Grand Prix uh, Lule versus in Grand Prix New Jersey. Um, I still think it's a very good deck, but I think people we're a little bit more ready for it this time and like I mentioned Grand Prix Lillet was actually won by Mono Red Aggro and but the main point of this actually goes to the second place finisher of Gabriel Nassif or Yellow Hat himself uh, playing Mono Blue Tempo playing a $70 deck and he finished second place and he actually um, said One of the reasons he decided to play this deck is because it is so cheap, and it's really good. It's a mono-blue deck that relies on a lot of cards that either fly or have evasion, such as Miscloak Herald, uh, where it can't be blocked. And then you try to put a Curious Obsession on one of those creatures and just draw a bunch of cards. And Curious Obsession is a one-blue enchantment that gives a creature plus one, plus one, and when it deals combat damage to a player, you draw a card. The catch though is if you didn't attack with that creature on your end step you have to sacrifice the curious obsession but you're usually always attacking in this deck because your creatures are very small but they also have evasion or other ways of uh kind of making it so you can always get damage in and then you just play like a bunch of counter spells some draw spells and ways uh to stop your creatures from dying and then you have a uh sideboard that's pretty much just full of uh different types of cards for different matchups and yeah i've played this deck on arena quite a bit um and i don't even have the full sideboard built on there and i i had a pretty good record with this deck um it's not as easy to play there are some matchups that get a little bit trickier um especially when you get into points where you don't draw your curious obsession or you have to think about blacking um, those two things kind of really throw you for a loop in that deck specifically. Uh, on the horizon this weekend in uh, tomorrow after this podcast goes up because I apologize once again. Uh, this will be coming out on Friday instead of on Thursday. I'm sorry. Um, Halloween got to me. <laughs> um, we will have GP Atlanta. So looking forward to seeing what happens coming out of that GP. The other big news from, uh, actually just from today. So part of me is kind of glad that this podcast is coming out today instead of yesterday. There has been a bunch of people posting on Reddit and other various social media sites about a stock of new cards not, well, not so much new cards, that might be the wrong word, um, new art and new foil versions of a a good amount of reprints. And what I mean by this is, uh, there was a bunch of people who were sent these spoiler cards, um, in what appears to be response to the negative feedback of the Guilds of Ravnica Mythic Edition boxes. So, long story short on those, because it has been beaten to death, Hasbro released a Hasbro Toy Shop only product, the Guilds of Ravnica Mythic Edition boxes, which were um, f- mainly bought for the full art, new art, planeswalkers of past sets and the ones in Guilds of Ravnica and a bunch of people tried to order them. Hazardous Toy Shop website is atrocious, and most people say it must have been built before the internet even was in existence because it's just so bad. Um, And some people got their boxes, some people didn't, some people got some of their boxes. Anyway, it appears that these are being sent out maybe as like a, we're sorry that your time ordering these boxes were so bad, Here's a little preview for you. Now, no one knows what kind, uh, when these are going to be released. Everybody's speculating from either these are going to be the new buy a box promos for the coming sets. This is going to be what they're doing for the new master sets. To these are going to be uh, the replacement for masterpieces. And so far, they're just sent out, and um, I don't think these are the new biobox promos and the reason that i say that is if they were the new biobox promo um they would still have the set symbol for the upcoming sets now even though we don't know what that set symbol looks like so far the biobox promos there's just one per box that's why it's the buy a biobox promo you can't pick and choose you get whatever they give you um like the last one was uh, Impervious Great Worm, and the one before that, Nexus of Eight, and before that, Fire, Song, and Sunspeaker. Um, I could definitely see these being masterpieces or something in a new master set, maybe even masterpieces within a master set. I don't know how they would do that, but that'd be crazy. Um, Or a super expensive supplement product, because so far it appears that there are 40 of these due to the collector's numbers on the bottom. And I'm not going to read you off every single one that's been spoiled so far, but I'll give you some of the highlights so that way you can see how ridiculous these are. By the way, these are all full art. Some cards have new art, some cards do not, but they're all full art. So we have things like Liliana the Veil, which has the same art, Dark Depths, which has brand new, really crazy art, and the new Legendary frame uh, that they premiered, Full Art, uh, Leovold, Tassinger the Golden Fang with new art, these are also foil as well, uh, Temporal Manipulation, uh, Celestial Colonnade, Demonic Tutor with new art, uh, Life from the Loam with new art, which a lot of people are really hype about because of Dredge, Um, There's Eternal Witness with new art. There's a lot of crazy ones out there. But no one, they just kind of appeared out of nowhere today. And without a lot of warning, I think people just opened up their mailboxes, opened up this letter from Wizards and said, well, Wizards said that I can share this. So here we go. I'm going to share it. And uh, no one's really sure where exactly you can get these or how you're going to be able to get them. So it's just kind of a waiting game at this point we're gonna have to wait and see and um i don't know i'm kind of excited but i'm also a little bit not because there's no way that whatever these appear in is going to be anything close to cheap and with the amount of cards that they've reprinted honestly the cheapest one that i've seen so far is eternal witness and with the new art on there it's not like even that one is going to be all that inexpensive to get I can only <laughs> fathom to imagine what something like a full art Liliana of the Veil is going to be, or a full art Dark Depths, or Engineered Explosives, which was another one um, that I heard of. The cheapest one actually may have been that Tassigert, but with the new art on there and it also being foil, I don't think that one would be cheap either. So I don't know. Uh, like I said, I don't think they are buy box promos since there's going to be 40 of them. But I'm also not sure if there's gonna be masterpieces, because forty seems like a lot. I'm not exactly positive on what the masterpiece numbers used to be. Uh but forty seems like a lot unless they're splitting it over like multiple sets within a block. Um But I don't know. We'll just have to uh, wait and see and find out all together. Um so that's I guess something to look forward to if you're into that new product and really pimping out your decks those definitely seem like they're going to be something to go after other than that I think it's going to be relatively shorter today I think a couple of my or one of my other casts was a little bit longer so we'll balance out a little bit um you know if you care to reach out and you're playing standard right now let me know what you're playing because by the looks of it It seems like you can play anything um, from the archetypes that most people assumed were going to be things, uh, your Jeskai controls, even your it controls, um, it Phoenix, after the emergence of what appears to be in almost every format, our new buddy, um, the Phoenix over there, Uh, Golgari, like I said, still good. Clearly, you can still be playing your mono reds your mono blues even. Um, the one thing I think everybody's kinda noticed is the only deck configuration as far as the guilds are concerned that hasn't really shown up anywhere is Demir. Um I'm not positive why. Maybe it just doesn't have as good of matchups. Maybe the Demir cards in this set are kind of a setup, and hopefully once the back half of Guilds of Ravnica comes out and we get all of the simic cards and the azorius cards and things of that nature we can start getting you know some saltai and some esper controls going or just decks with those color schemes in mind using the Demir cards that we've already got maybe it's just that surveil is not as insane when your whole deck is built around it and when that's the main thing that you're trying to do because we see that, you know, surveil isn't necessary. It's not that it's bad, and it's used in some of these decks, but it's paired with things like if you're surveilling with Doom Whisper in your Golgari deck, you have the green cards and the green black cards to take advantage of the things that you're putting in your graveyard, either with undergrowth or with the ability to just return them back. Um, in the it decks, you can surveil things and then jumpstart them, uh, things like that. So maybe when the whole mechanic of the deck is built around surveil in a constructed format like standard it's just not great where in limited or sealed or even draft you can you know pull that off uh to more of an effectiveness than in constructed um or maybe it's just not good it could be that not 100 percent positive but yeah um you know let me know what you're playing at gp atlanta how you're doing at gp atlanta Good luck to all the people who are going there. Good luck to all the people going to Eternal Weekends. I know that those are coming up. Uh, Hopefully you win some sweet stuff and get to play some fun Eternal formats of magic. And hopefully we all figure out soon what those cool full arts are going to be and how we can all get our, you know, uh, magic play and mitts on them. Uh, Like I said, I think that'll be all for this week. This has been Nicknext 96 at Praetor's Podcast. You can find me at my Twitter at nicnax 96 Or you can find the podcast directly at uh, Praetor's, or Praetor's Podcast at P-Podcast. And you can listen to this cast either on Soundhow, SoundCloud or Anchor. Uh, sorry for a lot of stumbling today, guys. Uh, but I will be back next week, like I say, hopefully on Thursday, if not on Friday, with some more magic recapping GP Atlanta and anything else that happens in the meantime. Thanks for stopping by.